And a warm-hearted good morning. Welcome to our program where we tackle contentious issues that affect our Christian world on a daily basis. The topic for discussion this morning, all about ethical dilemmas, morals and values in a real-life situation. Truth is, we sometimes face complex situations with no clear right choice. What should Christians do when confronted with spiritual, moral or ethical dilemmas? Have you ever been in a lose-lose situation, a catch-22, dare we say a jam or a pickle? Ever been between a rock and a hard place? Have you ever had to choose between the lesser of two evils? Whatever idiom we use to label the experience, we have no doubt at all had dilemmas in our lives where there seemed to be no way to do the right or the ethical thing. No pros, all just cons. No saving grace or silver lining, all seemingly impossible choices. There can be many reasons we find ourselves in these types of situations. We uh, perhaps are trying to protect our loved ones or even strangers from harm or suffering. Or we have limited time, limited resources and limited information before making decisions. Or you want to keep yourself from harm's way or suffering as well as hardship. Or we see a possible threat to our family's basic human needs and we have to react. So that being said, let's think of some familiar real-life examples of ethical dilemmas, a lose-lose situation, so to speak. Maybe you find yourself in illegal and financial trouble. Lying will help you get out of them, but lying is wrong says Exodus 20 and verse 16. I need to protect and provide for my family, you might think, and make sure that they're okay. I have no choice. I'm going to lie and repent later. Well, what about another scenario? Your manager tells you to wear a pin on your work uniform that denotes an ideological or activist stance that the company is supporting, but the Bible says is wrong. And you might think, I know that doing it would cause people to think I support the cause, which of course I don't. I will never be able to find another job that works around my schedule. I don't want people to think I'm hateful of anyone. I have no choice and I'm going along with what my boss wants. I'll repent later. So the story continues. What would Jesus do? How would he handle these ethical dilemmas? Are there examples in the scriptures? And indeed, you find examples of Jesus Christ's life that show how he navigated seemingly a no-win situation without sinning. Remember the story of the woman caught in adultery, John 8, verse 1 to 11, who was brought to Jesus? The self-righteous and hypocritical crowd who brought her to him thought that if he didn't condemn her to death, they would be able to accuse him of not supporting God's law. You can go and read the story. And of course, there's the other story, the men that tried to get Jesus to say that they shouldn't have to pay taxes to Caesar. They were trying to entangle him since they thought either he would have to tell him to stop following the law of the land and pay taxes to Caesar, which is rebellion, or he would be seen as a respecter of man. What do we do in these circumstances? With all these ethical dilemmas, we get the feeling that sin is the huge viable option on the table due to the urgency and the pressure we feel. We sin and we pick the lesser of the two evils many a time in our life. 
What we do then is important. Do we resolve to the right thing every time from then on? Or do we constantly look at sin as a way out? Do we repent after every mistake and poor ethical decisions? Or do we blame others and rationalize away our guilt for what has happened? It matters to God and it should matter to us. Stay tuned as Brunpant look at ethical dilemmas in real life and how to handle them according to the scriptures. We'll be back with our respondent right after this. Well, on the line, as promised, I've got our respondent, Pastor Edward Kanaya, but let him introduce himself. Edward, good morning to you. Thank you so much for joining us here at the Brunpen. Just in a nutshell, your background, bio, and your involvement with the body of Christ here on earth, please. Uh, thank you, Vainan, for having me respond on your show. It's an honor and a privilege. I am the pastor of Calvary Baptist Church here for, for at least 15 years in Sunny Ridge, Germiston. And um, I enjoy being a pastor. I love the calling. And um, yeah, a little bit over and extra can come at another time. But basically, that's the highlight of my, my calling. I am a husband. I am a father. And I'm also a grandfather, if that helps. <laughs> well, we need the wisdom that comes uh, with being a grandfather. So thank you so much for joining us. Well, Edward, <laughs> human beings have come up with various approaches to the dilemma and dilemmas that we see in our lives. One of the most, I think, popular is referred to as a situational ethics or moral relativism, as it's called. Yes. It's a, it's a yes. view that asserts there's no, no objective or universal moral law or code of ethics. And, and yes. so people say morality and ethics needs to change to meet the situation, not the other way around. Is that even scriptural in your understanding? Uh, uh, no, that isn't scriptural. I think uh, 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 fundamentally the problem here is with this coined phrase called uh, situational ethics. Or uh, the, the the problem with the, the uh, postmodern understanding of this is when you try to define this re- moral relativism, you destroy it. So the only way moral relativism relativism can survive if you don't tell anybody what it is. So the thing doesn't exist in reality because it can't be defined. And to define it means to kill it. So I don't know what the term actually means because the moment you try to define it to me, you, you're killing the term. It, it becomes an absolute definition of something that is moral. That's the problem with this. That, that's why this argument constantly goes around in circle. Now, to the problem that we've highlighted in the case of our blessed Lord Jesus, in your opening statement, there were a couple of incidences there. Uh, one was that um, the, the Pharisees were asking about, um, rendered to, and he responded by saying, render to Caesar what he Caesar's. <clears throat> the other one was the woman caught in adultery. And you take these incidences and, and others too, where the Pharisees tried to trap him about a widow that survived eight husbands and so on and so forth. Uh, what Jesus always done was appealed to the standard already in existence. He didn't make it up as he go along. No situation presented a quote-unquote dilemma to him. The situation, he applied a already pre-existent standard to that situation. He was the authority in that situation, and he could apply. And nothing he said that couldn't be uh, withdrawn from the Old Testament, either by precept or principle, nothing. It was all there for them to do that very work themselves. Now, when we address these uh, situations today, 
first thing that people assume is that those addressing these issues are without existential dilemmas of their own. This is not true. Another thing they assume is that we are impervious to human suffering because we are giving theological pat-off answers and we are disenfranchised from any trials of our own. That is not true either. We understand that all theological issues, especially in this area, are highly sensitive, emotionally charged issues. So essentially, we are dealing with uh, troubled and in some cases runaway emotions because people have really burning issues in in their heart, as your program suggests, Brandt Pint. Yeah. So platitudes do not address emotions, leave alone soothe them. What we have to do and always do is what the Apostle Paul told us in 1 Corinthians 4 verse 6 is that we must learn in them, that is the apostles, not to think beyond what is written. So the adaptability of each situation, although there's a litany and a variety of situations, and every person has their own situation, there is the principle of Scripture which is applied to that situation. It will always be there, the standards of God. Right? These are not human standards where they say, oh, you uh, church people, or oh, you this people, you... These are not human standards for there for people to get upset about. This is God's standards. Very interesting, Edward. You call it a pre-existent standard, uh, 1 Corinthians 4, 6, not beyond what is written. So we right. often look at these uh, ethical and moral and spiritual dilemmas as gray areas between black yes. and white, between right, yes, right and wrong. They're not gray, yeah. What is the pre-existent standard then? Some would say there's no other option. Looking at how Jesus handled it, what are the options for us, people who's, who's, who's struggling with these ethical and moral and spiritual dilemmas? Well, it's the same. It's, it's, it's the, the choice before you is, would you do choose to obey God? If you look at uh, suffering, persecuted Christians all over the world, we're not experiencing, uh, perhaps in degree, but not in kind, anything they don't experience. When they are told to recant Jesus Christ or get shot in the head or uh, your family will be raped and burned, it, they, have, they are faced with a situation. What do they do? In some cases, they recant, right? Yeah. And, and, but in most cases, their testimony holds where they won't. This is true since day one, since the church was born. This is nothing new. This is, no situation is, oh, well, we, we are living in a different age. Yes, but that doesn't make the situations different. The Word of God still applies to everything. As you pointed out in your opening remarks, Thou shalt not lie is told, thou shalt not lie. But the real question is, am I going to choose to lie? Uh, Probably, yes, I will lie. So then you bear the consequences of your lie. Yeah, but the understanding but the Bible is the, you to lie. the understanding is I'll repent later. We 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 get a feeling that oh. sin is a huge viable option on the table, uh, due to yeah. perhaps the urgency, the pressure that we feel, and the understanding is well, I'll make it right with the Lord later. I'll have to, yes. you know, I'll, I'll have to solve the problem now. Yeah, the fallacy of that situation is repentance is a grant from the Lord. It's not up to the human. It's, it's repentance does not come as a result of freedom of the world. So when you say, I will repent later, it's a contradiction in terms because that is coming from an unrepentant person. The the dilemma still holds true. This is a serious life-threatening situation, whether it's an abortion, whether it's a, uh, I'm going to get killed. whether We're not taking away from that. But again, nothing takes away from the fact that God's word is the final standard. If I rely on myself, I'm too fickle. I will fail him. But if I'm willing, like the Apostle Paul, to say, you know what? Whatever happens, I'm going to obey God on this matter. Yes, there's going to be serious consequences and costs. Ask the persecuted Christians for the last 2,000 years, they'll tell you. But we have to obey God's word.
That's why we call it moral and ethical dilemmas. It is a yes. dilemma. Can it be said, the Bible says our, our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's against powers, right. forces of darkness, principalities. Can it be said that Satan is the master at creating these situations in our lives where it, where it seems like there's absolutely no way out without sinning? Uh, can we blame him, as we said in the intro? Because he wants us to believe that we have no choice. Yes, well, it is not uh, necessarily true that there's no way out uh, except if one sins. Uh, there is a way out, and you can choose not to sin. Yes, the consequences are going to be dire. It's going to be severe, to put it mildly. I, I understand that. That's true for even for me. But the point is that is the trouble with the word dilemma is that it argues uh, dualistically. Now, let me explain what I mean. Dilemma is when I'm placed with two equally opposing choices. Now, that is not true when we come to what God expects and what man expects. These are not two equally uh, opposing forces or choices. What God expects is infinitely greater and infinitely more rewarding. What man expects or what Satan uh, or what the devil expects is quite the opposite of that. You know, so we we use the word dilemma rather loosely to say they they are these are the two options available. I recognize that there are two options, but they are not two equal options. For what God expects is infinitely superior and greater, and the rewards are out of this world, as the old saints used to say. Yeah, well, you've made mention of one Corinthians four six not to, to do what beyond what is beyond written in God's word, but then again we see a standard in this world. And sadly so, sometimes from Christians as well, that says, well, I have to choose to pick the lesser evil. What would your message be yes. to them? Well, again, you're picking evil. Whether you're picking a greater evil or a lesser evil, you're picking evil. This is your choice. Uh, you know, it's not a sustainable argument. It is your choice. You see, this is the problem. You are exercising your freedom of the world to choose between these options. And that's it. That's what. And understand, the, again, when we talk about freedom of the world, Freedom of the will doesn't choose what is uh, uh, good. It doesn't choose what praises the Lord. It only chooses evil. That's why it's called freedom of the will. And it's a contradiction in terms because, uh, again, it, it, uh, uh, it expresses itself in bondage only. But if you obey God's word, then it's not up to my will. It's what God has said for me to do and that I must do. And I know there's going to be consequences. I know it's going to cost me. But that is the whole point of yeah. walking and following Christ. All right. So, Edward, I want to ask you something, and maybe, uh, forgive me, I'm not trying to put you back against the wall, but have you heard about right. the trolley dilemma? It's, it's the most famous ethical dilemma uh, in, in the world of psychology, literature, the trolley dilemma that was written down by, a, a, I think, a Philippa Foote in 1967. And there's been several variations of this trolley dilemma, but the gist of it is an out-of-control trolley that's careering forward, five people people who are tied to the track and you have a lever and are able to change the course of that trolley to another track, which will kill only one innocent bystander. The question is, what would you do? This is a worldly example, but it's out there. People use it as an excuse. They call it the trolley dilemma. What do we do in that case? Well, uh, well, the trolley dilemma... Um teaches itself in a very way. Some people call it Sophie's choice as well. Uh, the problem is, again, you're asking a human being to make, uh, to make an ultimate uh, choice. Human beings always know that you go for the greater, right? 
Now, that if, the, if one is placed, uh, if the trolley dilemma is placed before you, you do the best you can do as a human being, which is to save as much people as you can. And by the way, it's not a dilemma. It's what human beings have been doing all along. The fundamental thing about uh, in human history is we never save everybody, whether we saving drowning people from the Titanic or whether we're pulling people out of the house as firemen. We never save everybody. You know, but the, what we are talking about now transcends the trolley dynamic. We are dealing with infinite wisdom of God who instructs us to do certain things. We don't we don't see beyond our natural decision the reverberations of it into history. We might say, you know what, aborting this baby now will save mum's life so that she can go on to bear more children. Okay, that's a natural reverberation towards history. But you don't know what God has planned throughout history. You don't know that. You see. What happens if that baby was going to grow up to be a great uh, preacher or something? We, we don't know this. So therefore, we are not in a position to, uh, if it was up to me, I have to do my best to save the trolley. Well, well God is omnipotent. He can stop the, the entire trolley altogether. See? So what it's you s- better to obey God. So what you say is it matters to God. If we study the scriptures, we read it, and we take yes. it to heart, it matters to God, and so it should matter to us. Absolutely. That's our final, all-sufficient authority this side of eternity until we see our, our Lord Jesus face to face again. In here, in here, every single day, there's a trolley before us. Every day. This is not something unique. Every day. But we have to apply biblical wisdom. If I continuously make up my, my uh, 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 you know, morals as I go along based on everyday situation, I'll be a wreck. I'll be a nervous wreck. <laughs> it would so we as as puny humans failing human yeah. beings who makes right. this mistake every day who are faced with a trolley dilemma on a daily basis poor yeah. ethical decisions moral dilemmas will yes. will god forgive us is he truly the god of the second chance uh, no he's not the god of a second chance because you're you're saying something called chance chance does not exist Right, it, it, it's a it's a non-existent uh, quantity chance. They are, they go back to the first statement: that Will God forgive? God always forgive those who confess their sins before Him. But you've got to have a repentant heart. To the man who says, "I will kill and ask God uh, to forgive me tomorrow," that's not a repentant heart. There, you know, that tomorrow for his repentance is probably not going to come. Again, I'm not talking as God, you know. But yes, God does forgive. He does forgive. And uh, but to assume that I can do what I want now, I can live my life any old how, and I will ask him for forgiveness is is absolute presumption and, I would add, also arrogance. Saya, in closing, Pastor Edward, can I ask you, Christians listening to you right now, put it in a nutshell for us. What should Christians do when confronted with spiritual, moral, and ethical dilemmas? What should they do? Consult God's word prayerfully. Seek out the advice and counsel of those uh, within your leadership structures that that can uh, advise you biblically. Biblically, that's what Paul is saying. Uh, you know, you don't uh, thumb suck your way through your days and, and and go through with it. Consult God's word. That is our final authority. Consult those whom God has placed in your life, the spiritual authorities. Seek their guidance prayerfully. And he does guide. He always guides us. He never leaves us to figure it out on our own. He supplies us so that we may use our intelligence properly rather than suicidally. And to the, his glory, to his honor. 
And the consequences is not always what we would expect. There could be dire consequences, but it yes. would be God's way. It, 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 that's the, the thing. We would, we, we would be submitting to God's word, God's will, and then have God's blessing. Whether it results in my arrest, whether it results in my death, at the end of the day, I, I obeyed God on this matter. That's what's important. Well, in all things, as the scripture says, uh, Philippians 4 and verse 6, in all things makes your requests known to the Lord, prayer, yes. supplication, and then, of course, thanksgiving. And verse 7, I want to end off with that, and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will take hold of your heart. If you faced with a moral dilemma, a ethical, spiritual dilemma this morning, as Pastor Edward said, do it God's way. Pastor Edward, thank you so much for your conversation contribution to this program this morning. No, thank you, sir, for allowing me to be here. If people want to be in touch with you and maybe uh, take up conversation with you, is there an email address where they can get hold of you, uh, Pastor Edward? My email is uh, Edward Kanya. That's my full name. One. Can I spell it for you? Yes, please. E-D-W-A-R-D-K-A-N-N-I-A-H-1 at gmail.com. Simple as that. God willing, we'll be chatting some more to you in future. Thank you so much for your input to our program, sir. Thank you, brother. God bless you. Bye.